Hi, this is Alyssa McNamara-Reed, and I will be your host for the next two hours. Allow me to introduce myself. I am a certified financial planner practitioner and an investment advisor. I am co-owner of McNamara Financial Services, Inc. in Marshfield, Massachusetts. McNamara Financial is a federally registered investment advisor, and by my definition anyway, is a true family business. We work with clients like you every day, regular people that need help making sound financial decisions or people that want one less thing to worry about. I work with clients for a fee based on assets that I manage or an hourly or flat fee for creating financial plans. I am not compensated via commissions unless I have the pleasure of helping someone with their insurance needs. There are some things worth paying for and perhaps a lifetime of financial security is one of them. I of course cannot guarantee that working with me will ensure a secure financial future. McNamara on Money has been a call-in talk radio show since 1990. I love hearing from listeners and there truly are no dumb questions. In fact, I like the simple questions because everyone should have the answer to those. Just don't call me asking for the next hot investment or which market is going to outperform this year. Number one, that's not the nature of this show. And number two, I have no idea. Any advice I give to a caller is meant to be generic in nature and should be verified with his or her own financial professionals. You will hear about a variety of topics on this show that relate to investments and personal finance. We try to cover topics that people can relate to regardless of their net worth or financial situation. And of course, we try to keep it interesting. I would crunch numbers for two hours or spreadsheet cash flows because I'm a total math nerd, but that wouldn't much make for good radio. Instead, I choose to educate people on topics surrounding big financial events in life, like marriage and divorce, kids in college, death of a loved one, career changes, and of course, retirement. I once heard that it is a smart man that knows what he doesn't know. I'm sure it was my dad that said that, and I'm also sure that it applies to women. That is why I invite guests onto my show that have expertise in different areas also related to personal finance. I feel it's important to note that the opinions of these professionals are not necessarily the opinions of McNamara Financial or any of its advisors. As long as we are on the subject of disclosure, I should note that while we may discuss investments and or markets on this show, that past performance is not indicative of future results. Thanks for tuning in. You're listening to McNamara on Money, the South Shore's very own financial talk radio show. Uh, my name is Kirk Reed. Uh, I'm joined by Kurt Zarnowski. Uh, good morning again, Kurt. Hey, good morning, Kirk. Good morning. Good to be with you, it is, as always. Yes, lovely to have you. Uh, we are, uh, well, we are talking about Social Security. We're also promoting uh, our upcoming Social Security uh, webinar, uh, which will be held on April 21st at 6.30 p.m. Uh, if you would like to join us for that, you can call the office to sign up. Uh, 781-834-2010. Uh, if you'd like to call us uh, today with a question, you can call the studio at 781-837-4900. Uh, I feel like we usually get a call when we do this show, but uh, hey, you know, whatever, it happens. We, we have material that we can... We can exactly. We can go over. Uh, We've answered all the questions in the past, though. I think we. Yeah, that's right. We yeah we've we've done such a good job historically that there there are no more questions to to be asked. Uh, And the fact that we are. So wait a minute, though. I have a question for you. Oh, okay. Yep. Who's going to win the NCAA basketball tournament? Do you have a uh, favorite team? I I, have, I do have a... Yes, thank you for asking. I thank you for... It's <laughs> kind of a loaded question there, my friend. It is. I do have a favorite team, although... So, you know, Villanova, as you know, is my, my alma mater. Uh, and they're still, they're still in it. They're playing tonight at 6 o'clock, roughly. Uh, they lost one of their best players, though, uh, yeah. last week uh, to injury. So uh, that will be challenging. But I think they still have a chance. I mean, they're still a good team. Uh, but they're playing a very good team uh, in Kansas. So we'll, we'll see. I actually, you know, whenever I fill out my brackets, I, I typically don't pick Villanova because I just, I don't know, I feel like that's bad luck or something. But, uh, but this year I actually did pick them to win it all. So uh, we'll see how that goes. A comment for me, and then we'll move on to you know, the Social Security stuff. You know, I think that in this country these days, there's too much of a focus on just the single winner. And that somehow, if you don't win at all, you've had a disappointing season. And I think, you know, any of these teams make it to the Final Four or, you know, they've, they've had great seasons and, and uh, shouldn't overlook, uh, you know, the arduous task of, of, of making it through. And, and uh, so... No I, no, I agree with you. I think I think the final four is definitely, that's a good, that's a, um, a big win uh, for any, yeah. for any yep. program out there. Um, so agreed. So yeah, it's, 
I'm happy. Yes, I'm certainly happy that they're there, and you know, it's always exciting when they're you know when you're still in it, uh, so to speak. Uh, yep. uh, but uh, we'll see how it goes. Um, but yeah, the other fact. But let's talk about <laughs> some practical stuff because we don't always get around to the practical stuff. Okay. So how do you go about applying for social security benefits? So you're at the point where you've decided I've had enough, you know, with COVID or you reached the right age, you decided I'm gonna retire June 30th of this year. I wanna start to collect social security benefits effective with the month of July. Practically, what do I do? So understand this, in terms of applying for retirement benefits, You've got choices and options in the way to go about doing it. Now, to me anyway, the preferred method is to use Social Security's online retirement application accessible at www.socialsecurity.gov. That online retirement application, take about 15 or 20 minutes or so to complete from the comfort and convenience of your own home, day or night, stopping and starting as you see fit, wearing your pink footy pajamas for all anybody knows. But by doing that, I always like to remind folks, every online application that gets submitted gets reviewed by a human being. So don't think and don't be too afraid. Oh, I'm afraid if I make a mistake. You hit the submit button, it is going to be reviewed. Part of the application does ask for contact information. How, if there are questions, can somebody get in touch with you and resolve any discrepancies that are in there? So don't hesitate in terms of, filing the online application. Again, save you the the trouble of having to visit a local office or or, or anything like that. But if you are a little bit internet leery and you do want to meet with someone and have them help you complete the application, well, until yesterday, social security offices were completely closed to the public past COVID. And so you needed to call and make an appointment for what was a telephone appointment, call you up, complete the application with you over the phone. Now though, offices started to reopen in a very gradual and limited basis, but you wanna meet with somebody at social security, you still wanna call ahead, make an appointment. The number to call is 1-800-772-1213. You can call and make an appointment for either still a telephone appointment or make an appointment to come in and visit a local office and sit down with somebody face to face. A couple of things to keep in mind though. Social security can accept an application for benefits a maximum of three months in advance of the month you wanna start to collect. So you're retiring June 30th, you wanna start to collect effective with the month of July. Now that we're in April, you can apply any point starting now. You're deciding you want to retire September 30th and begin to collect in October, you can't apply now. Maximum of three months in advance of the month you wanna start to collect. But you can go online today and begin that online retirement application and ask to have your payments begin effective with the month of July. But here's an important note. And we haven't talked about setting up a My Social Security account for yourself which we typically tend to do. An important thing, Social Security has this service. You set up a My Social Security account for yourself, allows you to do a number of different things down the road. Prior to retirement, allows you to download a Social Security statement for yourself whenever you need one or want one. Gonna come in, meet with Kirk, Alyssa, or or Justin, and, and do some retirement planning. Having that statement is a hugely important tool to have, but to apply online for social security retirement benefits, you do need to have set up a My Social Security account for yourself in advance. So another homework assignment for me today, if you haven't set up that My Social Security account for yourself, do so. Find the link at socialsecurity.gov. So you've set up your account, you apply for benefits. You wanna start to collect effective with the month of July. Just a reminder, benefits go out one month in arrears, meaning your July payment will be sent to you in August. Now, 25 years or so ago, Social Security used to pay everybody on the third day of the month. These days, payments are staggered through the course of the month based on somebody's date of birth. Date of birth between the first and the 10th, you're always paid on the second Wednesday of the month, 11th and the 20th. 
direct deposited on the third Wednesday of the month, 21st through the end of the month, direct deposited on the fourth Wednesday of the month. So you're retiring June 30th, your date of birth is the 25th, for example, just recognize you're gonna see your first social security payment on the fourth Wednesday of August. So you just need to plan and recognize that there is this one month gap, payments go out one month in arrears, and depending upon your date of birth, you could be paid uh, later in the month. But it's always gonna be that same second, third or fourth Wednesday of the month payment will be direct deposited, but it's always for the month before. We we have a caller, Kurt. Uh, we have uh, Jennifer in Milton. Uh, Jennifer, can you hear us? Yes. Hi. Morning. Good morning. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks. Excellent. Did you have a question for, for Kurt or myself? I do. I do. So uh, about 15 years ago, I left my job at the state. I had been working at the state for about 14 years, and when I left, I was told that I was vested in the state pension system since I had worked there full-time, basically full-time for 14 years. So then, uh, right, so that was, what did I say? 15 years ago or something? Yes. Right? So since then, in the past 15 years, I have not worked for the state. I've worked for, you know, various other nonprofits. Um, and I, and so I, I haven't been very great about, like, investing in a 401k. I had in my mind I would end up back in the state, but that, and I was always in these sort of temporary jobs that didn't have a lot of job security. So I know that I've been, you know, having money for Social Security deducted. So now I'm 50 and I'm trying to, you know, figure out what the best steps are to take. Would it be better for me to try to get a job back at the state and, um, you know, in, and then have being sort of investing in the state pension so that when I retire in 15 or 20 years, um, I have that state pension or to, you know, kind of stick with Social Security and, and instead be doing a better job of, uh, inve- you know, investing into a 401k. Um, and I feel completely clueless about what I should be doing, what would be a good, you know, sort of strategy for me, if it would make sense for me to try to get a job back with the state um, in order to, you know, buy back some of that time or, or take advantage of that, what you know, that that. 14 years I already have in the state pension. Um, so I don't know if you have any guidance around that, but now now at 50, I'm feeling terrified. So, <laughs> so I think retirement sort of seemed a long way away when I was 22. Uh, sure. 50, it feels pretty close. Sure. I think, you know, maybe, maybe I would ask Kurt to address the social security aspect and then maybe I can comment after that. Sure. Great. Thanks. And so basic, yeah. So um, you want to get a current social security statement for yourself. Now, back okay. in the day, Social Security used to mail those automatically to anyone 25 years of age or older. They no longer do that. <clears throat> the only way they mail one annually is if you're 60 or older, which you're not. So for you to get a Social Security statement, you do need to want to go and set up your My Social Security account for yourself, and you'll be able to download a statement. Now, the problem is that because you're vested in the state pension system, you're always going to get something from the state. And so you are gonna be subject to that windfall elimination provision unless you accumulate 30 or more years of substantial earnings under social security. So you'll get your social security statement. It'll also provide a link to an online calculator that you can use to determine how much of an impact your state pension will have on your social security payment. But you're always gonna get something from social security the question is, between now and retirement, are you able, if you stay under Social Security, are you going to be able to get your 30 years so that in the end, your state pension has no impact whatsoever on your Social Security benefit? But in terms of, the, so that all I can address is the Social Security side of things that you can get a statement. There are calculators online that you can link to that you can get an estimate from Social Security if you were just to get that state pension. But in terms of whether or not you want to go back to work for the state, I'll turn it back to my partner. Yeah, um, I guess, yeah, Jennifer, I mean, 
what you know what I would want to know or need to know is, you know, if you went back to the state, you know, what does that do for you in terms of a benefit? Um, and because it, that could be a more you know quote unquote generous benefit than than social security potentially, um, but you know you would need to research that and ask ask those questions to to the state as far as well, you know, for every. X number of years that you put in, what does that what does that generate as far as a um, retirement benefit? Um, and then ultimately, well, what do you need? Uh, you know, I don't know how much you need in retirement, and that's something you know that's something that we do with our clients is helping them figure out what exactly what it is that you need to live your life, uh, both now and in retirement. And then we can tell you exactly what you need to do as far as you know which which is the better option you know for you. And then, you know, one step further, you know, holistically, I guess, you know, what do you want to do with the rest of your life? You know, do you want to go back to that job or, or a similar job or is there something you'd rather, you know, you'd rather pursue? Um, and then, you know, but ultimately it's just math. Uh, we just need to know what, what it is that you need. Yeah, and just to, again, reemphasize the point I've been making all along, just because you get that state pension, if you've had your 10 years of time under Social Security, which you apparently apparently have, you're always going to get something from Social Security every month. So worst case scenario down the road, you, you don't do another day of work in your life, you'll get something from Social Security in addition to that state pension you've earned because you had at least 10 years and you were vested in the pension system. And as Kirk said, it's just a question of figuring out you know, the, the, the relative values of each one of those um, and trying to figure out based on you know, continuing to work. And that social security online web calculator allows you to get a benefit estimate plugging in different future earnings projections and it'll spit back a number based on what you input as your future social security work activity. All right, so you're gonna never work again from social for social security or you're gonna make $50,000. I mean, there are tools out there that allow you to get a benefit estimate based on different assumptions that you're able to input. So good planning tools, but you do need to plan. Uh, Jennifer, are you still there? Yeah, I'm oh. still here. Oh, okay, you're just soaking it all in, okay. <laughs> I am, yeah, th no, that's really, really helpful. Okay, um, are, you, are you married or are you single? I'm married. Okay, so that I mean that's another perhaps layer of complexity as far at least as far as social security is concerned. I don't know if you were listening earlier uh, in the show about you know spousal benefits and things like that. Yeah. Um, okay. Um, any any other follow up questions or? Um, you know, one question I had is I, I remember I remember when I was younger and working for the state that sometimes people would come back to the state and they would buy back years uh, towards, the, towards a pension. Okay. Um, I wonder if you could talk about that. I don't, I don't have enough, uh, I don't have enough expertise to really discuss that. Oh, okay. Um, okay. that, you know, that would be a question, you know, for, I guess your employer or, or, you know, or the, okay. or the state as far as, you know, what your options are. Um, yep. I mean, I, I certainly have heard of that as an option, but I don't know, you know, I know sometimes they, they, they freeze those options. Uh, and, okay. and, and I, so I don't know, you'd have to ask that question, uh, specifically to your employer. Okay. All right. Well, this is super helpful because really it, it feels like standing at a fork in the road and not knowing like <laughs> which one is gonna, you know, if, if, um, like I said, it just, it just sort of feels terrifying to me. And now I'm looking at my parents who are 90 and, um, look at, you know, and I'm helping them with their finances and looking at what they get from Social Security every month, what they get from a pension every month, and suddenly it all feels way more real, and I just, you know, found myself with this, like, oh my gosh, will I even get anything from that state pension if I, you know, stopped working there 15 years ago? What, should I go back? You know, is that going to pay me more money? Is Social Security going to give me more money? What's the better way to go? So right. this just gives me some information. I really appreciate it. Okay. All right. Yeah, I think the, the good news, Jennifer, is, uh, you know, you've got a little bit of time. You may think, uh, you know, it's, it's, it, it's imminent, but you got a little bit of time. Uh, it's good that you're starting to think about these things now and, and, and plan. Um, and as the great philosopher Yogi Berra said, uh, if you come to a fork in the road, take it. <laughs> Absolutely. I love that expression. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you for the call. Um, yeah. I mean, that's, Right. A great example of that. I mean, that happens all the time. Right. 
Um, you know, people people don't always stay and are, are probably less common, right? That people stay in the same same job for a long oh, time, yeah. and so they have to kind of look at those options. And um, but it, yeah. you know, and, and you know, that was the old economic model of, of this country 50, 60 years ago or so. Um, I always hold up my uh, father-in-law, who worked for General Electric for his entire life, and when he retired, uh, he. Uh, went into retirement with that you know a traditional three-legged stool of retirement income he had that defined benefit pension from ge he had a social security benefit and he had accumulated some savings well we've been talking about social security and we can talk about the savings rate but you know in terms of the demise of the defined benefit pension you know it's so important to focus on the fact that social security is transferable and that as you move, as people move from job to job today, they don't have that typical 60 year career with one single employer. The fact that you're paying into the social security program in one job, you move to a different job, again, covered under the system, you know, you haven't lost the benefits that you accumulated because you've been working and paying into the social security system. It travels with you, even as people may jump from job to job and may move from um, you know, a, a short period of time, maybe someplace that has a, a small pension or things like that. So it's a hugely important thing in today's new economy as people are moving from job to job, traveling around, it is portable coverage and it moves with you as you move from job to job. Right. I'm just thinking about, you know, thinking about her, Jennifer, and that call about, you know, you know, it sounds, so it sounded like she was, she qualified for something, you know, through the, through her pension, right? That she said she was vested. So she yep. is, you know, yep. but I guess the question, you know, you know, my understanding is those formulas are based on, you know, it's percentage of your, you know, your top three years or whatever it is. And so it really, it, it, it boils down to, well, what, how much does she make? You know, what, what was she making? And so you'd have to f- do a projection on that to figure out what that benefit might be um, versus, you know, what would social security be if she can put in the, you know, you know, put in the 30, 30 years or 35 years, you know, or whatever it takes to, to get to the same number. And yep. it really, you know, there's just a math that has to be done there as far as which one, which one is more, is better, uh, and, or more achievable or, or, or yep. viable. Um, yep. so, um, all right. So we're about to come to the end of another segment here. So I'm going to try. All right. So let me, let me yep. give you just go ahead before we break two quick numbers for think about for the listeners to think about, I always get the question, what's the average Social Security retirement benefit being paid these days? In the year 2022, the average payment is $1,657 a month. $1,657 a month translates to $19,884 a year, just a little bit under $20,000 a year on average. And then the question comes up, is there a maximum amount that somebody can get? And this year for somebody at his or her full retirement age, which is 66 years and four months, who for each of the past 35 years has had earnings at or above the taxable maximum level, this year he or she receives $3,345 a month or $40,140 per year. So $20,000 average payment, maximum at full retirement age, a little over $40,000. A good solid base, good solid foundation, but people need to work to find ways to supplement Social Security because it was never intended to be anyone's sole source of income in retirement. Right, and it depends. I mean, it depends on where you live in the country, right? Certain parts of the country are, are more affordable than others, and um, you know where we live here in you know New England in the Northeast, it's that money doesn't go as far as as some other places. I mean, there are more expensive places also, uh, but um, but yeah, it really depends on what what it, what your needs are. Um, yep, and and the, the important point that your benefit amount is based on what your work was not based on where you happen to reside. There's no adjustment in your payment if you happen to live in a high-cost area. Right, right. Uh, All right, so we're about to take a break. Uh, We're going to be having a virtual seminar on April 21st at 6.30 p.m. If you'd like to register for that, please call the office, 781-834-2010. Kurt Zarnowski will be joining us uh, live uh, during that seminar to uh, present uh, information on Social Security and then also take some some questions uh, at the end of that. Hi, this is Alyssa Reed with McNamara Financial in Marshfield. Your investment strategy should largely be determined by the amount of time you have before needing the money. If you are aggressively invested, time is your friend when it comes to your portfolio recovering from this scary stock market. If you need your investment 
invested money soon, it should have been conservative to begin with. If you're not sure how your money is invested, I'd be happy to offer my opinion. 781-834-2010. Good morning. We're back. You're listening to McNamara on Money, the South Shore's very own financial talk radio show. My name is Kirk Reed, uh, joined today by Kurt Zarnowski. And you're not going to believe it, Kurt, but we have another caller. Uh, Get out. <laughs> uh, we have Arthur and Brockton. Good morning, Arthur. Good morning. How are you? I am fine. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Did you so have I a question? Have yep. Questions. I do. I have two questions. Uh, my stepdaughter recently started collecting Social Security disability last year. Uh, she has two young children, one seven, one sixteen, and she's getting some money for them. So one of the questions is, uh, the 16-year-old just recently got a part-time job, and someone told her that she would lose the money for her if she went to work. Do you know if that's true or not? Great question, Arthur. And, and, the, and the, question, the answer is it depends on how much the child is going to make. So anyone under full retirement age, as I mentioned before, allowed to make this year up to 19000 <laughs> $560 without any loss of benefits whatsoever. So your stepdaughter's 16-year-old, as long as he or she holds her earnings to $19,560 or less, will have no impact on that child's Social Security benefit. She makes above that, then she's going to have $1 in benefits withheld for every $2 that she's over the threshold. But I'm not sure she's going to make over $19,560, but that's the figure to keep in mind. All right, I, 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 I seriously doubt that myself. Now, the Correct. other question is that the, uh, the girl doesn't know, and I've known a few people collecting disability, and they don't file taxes. Is it required for her to file taxes or not? It's really an IRS That's question. Like, it's their only, it's their only income. <clears throat> well, it, and again, I, I'm not a tax expert. It's, it's going to be an IRS question, um, and... Uh, it, chances are, if that's early income, she won't have to. But uh, I'm not going to touch that one with a 10-foot pole or two 8-foot Swedes. Kirk, I don't know if you... Uh... I, I don't have either of those poles handy either, so no. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, sorry, Arthur. I don't know the answer to that. All right, well, that, 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 that's good enough. But thank you for the other one. And, uh, yeah, if you can, uh, Arthur, check the IRS website, and they'll give you a figure on... Um, when someone is required to file uh, a federal tax I, I imagine... Return. Yeah, probably over a certain amount then would be required. Sure. Yeah. And I just don't happen yeah. to know. All right. Yeah. Well, she, like I said, I know she's not getting much. So she has two kids. So I doubt that she has to worry about that either. But I'll have her mother check that. All right. Thank you very much, gentlemen. Uh, enjoy the rest of your day. Thanks. You too, Arthur. Yep. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, yeah. I was just trying to look real quick. But yeah, it basically says... Yeah, there's a minimum required to file a return, but I, I, it's not, you know, it's not readily available as far as what that number is. Um, right. Yeah. Uh, okay, so I think so. In the last segment here, Kurt, maybe um, I thought maybe you could maybe you could do your sort of cleaver uh, analogy because uh, we haven't really got into that sort of the, the you know the nuts and bolts of it, um, and so we sure. got you know 25 minutes to go through that. Sure. So let's talk about spousal benefits, divorce spousal benefits. Oh, wait, wait. I have, to, I, have to, I have to, before you get really rolling there, we have another caller. Not another one. Another one. Uh, we have Jean in Hall. Good morning, Jean. Good morning. How are you? Well, how are you? Good, thank you. Um, I have two questions. Okay. Okay, the first question is as far as collecting under an ex-spouse's um, Social Security. Is there a minimum number of years that you had to be married? Yes. To collect as a divorced spouse, the marriage must have lasted at least 10 years for any type of eligibility to collect on the ex's work record. 10-year duration of marriage requirement. For regular spousal benefits, just one year duration of marriage requirement, but for divorced spouses, marriage needs to have been in place at least 10 years. Okay. Um, and what if the spouse is um, deceased? Same thing. You need 10 years ten duration years. of marriage requirement to collect either as a divorced spouse, meaning the ex is alive, or as what Social Security calls a surviving divorced spouse, meaning the ex is deceased. Now, the difference is the amount 
that could be paid. While the X is still alive, it's going to be based on 50% of the X's full retirement age amount or your own, one or the other, whichever one is higher. But if the X is deceased, benefit is based on 100% of the deceased benefit. Oh yeah, still, or your own, one or the other, whichever one is higher, you don't get both at once. But in either case, 10 year duration of marriage requirement. And if that hasn't been met, there's no eligibility for divorced spousal or divorced widow's benefits. Incidentally, that duration of marriage requirement used to be 20 years. And Congress changed the law probably about 25 years or so ago to reduce it from 20 down to 10. What if you get remarried? Can you count those years? Remarried to the same person? Yeah, same person. Um, so, <laughs> it's a... <laughs> Too much? Is that too much to fathom? No, no, no. And it's really kind of one of these nuanced technical things. As long as you remarry within the same year the initial divorce was finalized, then yes, it, it does all, all count. But if you have more than a, a year separation between the divorce being final and your remarriage, then um, that first segment doesn't, if you didn't have 10 years, it doesn't count and you have to go by oh, a whole nother, whole nother 10 years. Okay. Absolutely. Does that, does that answer your question, Gene? Yes, thank you. And I have one more question. A third Wait, one. No, you said a Jean, third no, one. You whoa, said whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> um, I, I have a friend that is a uh, Canadian citizen. She is not an American citizen. But she had a green card. She's been here for years and years, and she had a green card, but she let it expire. So she is not collecting Social Security and she's not collecting any Medicare, and she's kind of really uh, having a difficult time uh, surviving income-wise. So on her behalf, I'm going to ask you the question, um, can you collect Social Security um, if you are a non-citizen? I know she, ha she does not have a regular Social Security number, but when she was employed, she was using um, some kind of a tax ID number. Yeah, so, so basically uh, citizenship is not a requirement for collecting Social Security. If somebody is here legally, works and pays into the Social Security system legally, even if they're not a citizen, they have uh -huh. those 40 credits, 10 years of work, they're gonna be eligible to collect when the time comes um, in, your friend's case, I'm not sure she ever did she work for at least 10 years and pay into the social security program? Because if she hasn't, she's not gonna be able to collect and it isn't driven by her citizenship status, it's driven by the fact she didn't work and pay into the system for at least 10 years. Yeah, I'm not sure, but I know she's had jobs at like hospitals, so I'm assuming um, she's earned enough credits. And she's like 74 years old, so, you know, she's and she's been here for years. Yeah, hmm. yeah. So again, though, that may have been the issue that she never quite accumulated 40 Social Security credits. Just a reminder, uh, if there are other, uh, it, someone who receives a Canadian pension, because lots of people here work for a while, maybe go back to Canada, uh, earn a pension back there. That's a situation that will trigger application of the windfall elimination provision on that person's Social Security benefit because you get a Canadian pension based on work where you were not paying into the social security program, treated the same as say a Massachusetts state teacher's pension. And so that if you do get that Canadian pension, but you do happen to have 40 social security credits, yeah, you'll always get something here from the United States social security system, but it is gonna be subject to that windfall elimination provision because of that Canadian pension. And you'll end up with less from social security than you receive if you didn't have the pension. Absent, of course, as we said several times, 30 or more years of time we worked here in the uh, under the US social security system at a substantial earnings level. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah, I know that she, um, she was in the Canadian military, so she does get a pension from there. Uh, yeah. And Jean, Jean, did you say that she does not have a social security number? That's correct. She told me she she just has a, a tax ID number because okay. she she doesn't have any uh, insurance, and that's getting to be a real issue with her. So, so Kurt, if she doesn't have a social security number, how would she know if she's eligible to receive social security benefits? 
but she probably isn't. Okay. Because you need to, you have gotten credit for your earnings because you've got a social security number and the taxes and earnings that you've had have been credited to that social security number. Hmm. So, oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. All right. So that's, yeah. Okay. That's, yeah. Sorry. That's kind of the first, first I've, you know, heard, come across that gene. Um, but, uh, okay. Do Okay. So, all right. Do you have a fourth question? I, I, I'm going to put that out there. Um, no, that was it. Okay. All right. Well, thank, really, thank, thank, thank you. Thank you for yeah, the call. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. You're welcome. Thank you. Bye-bye now. All right. Um, so, all right. And so that's just to follow up on this. We were talking about somebody get a Canadian pension. Question often comes up. Well, can I collect social security benefits while I'm living outside the country? And the answer is generally yes. Um, there's a handful of countries where the social security system won't pay benefits. It, they're the usual access of evil countries. You're living in Cuba or North Korea or Iraq, Iran, Afghanistan, you know, those type of things. But by and large, you know, you work here, pay into the system, and then you decide to retire um, and live somewhere else. Um, it's an insurance program. You've earned those benefits and uh, they'll be paid to you even though you don't happen to be living in, in the United States right now. Again, absent a small handful of countries which uh, you would uh, you know, the, the, the ones you would usually the the usual suspects okay um all right so we've got about i don't know 15 minutes plus or minus um so do you want to try to run through the uh, the cleavers yeah so yeah, we were about to talk about spousal benefits we touched on a little bit of this uh, uh, previously but you know, the social security spousal benefit program set up to support the model of the American family, the 1950s and the 1960s. So whenever I illustrate it, refer to what my estimation was the prototypical American family, the 50s and 60s, with Cleavers from the TV show, Leave it to Beaver. Um, Ward Cleaver, he was a breadwinner of the house. He worked, came downstairs each morning, impeccably dressed. He left the home briefcase in hand. Now we have no idea where Ward worked or what he did, right? But he worked outside the home. June Cleaver, for those of us who were old enough to remember, leave it to Beaver. She was a prototypical American housewife of the 50s and 60s. She came downstairs each morning equally impeccably dressed. She had pearls and high heels on at eight in the morning. No sweatsuit for June Cleaver, that's for sure. But she never worked a day outside the home in her life. Her job was to have brownies and milk available for Wally and the Beeb, right? The Social Security spousal program supports that Cleaver family model in the following way. Ward Cleaver he'll get a benefit based on whatever that mysterious work was. So let's say he's got a full retirement age of 67. At his full retirement age, he'd get $1,000 a month. The spousal law says that June Cleaver, at her full retirement age, we'll say at 67 as well, is going to be eligible to receive a monthly amount equal to 50% of Ward's full retirement age amount, or in our example, $500 a month, that'll be paid to her in addition to the $1,000 that's paid to Ward, and it'll be paid to her even though she may not have worked a day outside the home in her life. But that's that spousal benefit, 50% of Ward's full retirement age amount. But what if June has worked and paid into the Social Security program? The law says Social Security is required to pay June whatever her own benefit amount is. So let's say her payment's 800 bucks a month at full retirement age. They'll compare, as I mentioned before, her own full retirement age amount to 50% of wards. In our example, her $800 is more than 50% of his. So that's all she gets. or gets her own $800. If, however, she hadn't worked that long, so her own benefit was only $250, $250 compared to 50% of wards or $500, she'll get her own plus an additional $250, bringing her up to that 50% of his full retirement age amount. Say they get divorced. Well, we mentioned the prior call. Marriage needs to have lasted at least 10 years. As long as June is unmarried, <coughs> she can potentially collect as a divorced spouse. Now she has to be at least age 62 or at least age divorced spouse can be paid, but it's gonna be the same basic comparison her own benefit versus 50% of the ex-spouses. Her own is higher, that's all she gets. 50% is more than her own. She gets her own plus some additional money. Survivor benefits though, as I mentioned, 
a little more generous, it's going to be a comparison always between June's own benefit and 100% of what Ward might have been collecting. So June's getting 800, Ward's getting 1,000, Ward passes away, June begins to receive an additional $200 a month, moving her from her own aid up to the 1,000 that he had been collecting. But that's the key thing. It's one or the other, not both at once. So while they're both alive, in our example, they're getting $1,800 a month in social security benefits. He passes away. Sure, her individual payment goes up, but it's as if her old payment just goes away. So something people need to plan for, that it's one or the other, whichever one is higher, but you don't continue to get both at once. Um, you know, some of the, some of the, you know, generic, you know, I, I'm, I, hesitate, I hesitate to call it advice, but comments that I give folks is, you know, we would, you know, we would suggest that, you know, you wait, you know, at least until, you know, full retirement age to start collecting. That's just generic advice. Um, certainly everybody's situation is different and depends on pensions and, um, you know, life expectancies and, and all that other stuff as far as, you know, what, what is, what, what really is the best quote unquote. Um, but when there's a, a couple like that, you know, a married couple where, uh, you know, maybe one, uh, maybe one of them has a significantly larger benefit than the other. Um, you know, I, I would typically say, you know, it makes sense for the, for the one that has the higher benefit to, to delay as long as possible. Um, because that's, you know, that's the benefit that's going to endure, right? If there's a, if there's a death, um, you know, then, then the, you know, the surviving spouse would, uh, step into that larger benefit. Um, and so it makes, you know, to me, if there's a, you know, two benefits, you know, try to make the bigger one as big as possible, uh, because that, that's just the most conservative approach uh, when it comes to planning for, for a couple. Yeah, and I, and I don't think we, this show anyway, talk basically about calculation of benefits. Sure, we talked about how the numbers figured in the first place based on an average of your high 35 years, but getting back to that initial point, you need to know what your full retirement age month is because under the rules today, you can start to collect as early as 62 if you choose to do so, but you opt to start collecting at any point prior to your full retirement age month, your payment amount gets reduced. It's reduced by roughly half a percent for each month prior to your full retirement age that you're gonna be collecting. Why? Well, it's a social insurance program and Congress hopes that at the end of the day, based on average life expectancy, you'll end up with roughly the same amount of total lifetime payments, regardless of when you start to collect. So you start sooner, well, then in theory anyway, you'll be collecting for a longer period of time. So you're given less on an individual monthly basis. But again, any point prior to full retirement age, you get a lower reduced benefit amount. But at the same token, you opt to wait past your full retirement age. Well, that social insurance idea in place now, by delaying, in theory, then you'll be collecting for a shorter period of time. So you find your payment amount now is increased if you wait those are called delayed retirement credits for each month past full retirement age that you defer benefit permanently increased by two thirds of a percent translates into an 8% per year increase. But the key thing is you only see that increase from your full retirement age month until the month you turn age 70. Now you never have to take your social security payments, but you opt to wait between full retirement age and age 70, that full retirement age amount increased two thirds percent for each month you haven't collected you opt to start past age 70, it's your right to do so, but there's no additional increase. So it's a question of which point along that continuum makes the most sense, recognizing the longer you wait, the higher your payment's gonna be for the rest of your life, which then dovetails nicely with the point that you had just made, because it's important to note that when survivor benefits are possibly involved, recognizing that by opting to wait, not only is your own benefit higher once you start to collect it, but it means any survivor benefit that could be paid is gonna be higher as well because typical situation, a husband and wife, husband waits till age 70, collects delayed retirement credits, passes away, survivor benefit gonna be based on that age 70 amount. So good things tend to come to those who wait because it does mean your own benefits higher for the rest of your life and it also means any survivor payment gonna be higher as well. Yeah, I think that's very, you know, what you were talking there, it, it is very interesting that uh, if you live to an average life expectancy, it really doesn't matter when you start collecting as far as, you know, total benefits received. It's, it's roughly the same, right? I mean, if you, if you do the Correct. math. 
uh, which I, I think is very interesting. I think a lot of people don't maybe don't know that. Um, you know, people are, you know, they want to know, you know, what's the break even, right? You know, when do I start, you know, wh- you know receiving to, to kind of break even, you know, wh- and then what's the benefit, you know, thereafter. Um, but really, it it's all depends on how long you live. And that's... and, and It's a longevity decision. It is. Absolutely. Absolutely. Which is why I never tell people what they should do. You know, so so you, you mentioned break even. Let me give people a, a real quick break even calculation uh, to illustrate what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. So, <coughs> excuse me. So we got two two people full retirement age of 67. Each one at full retirement age of 67 with a thousand dollars a month. First person decides, yeah, I want to start to collect at 67. Second person says, I want to wait until age 70 before collecting accrued delayed retirement credits. So this first person at age 67 starts to get a thousand dollars a month collect 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 between 67 and 70 thousand bucks a month 36 months thirty six thousand dollars in social security payments have been received to that point second person by waiting that three years will see his benefit amount increase by eight percent for each one of the three years he's waited meaning his benefit not a thousand it's going to be twelve hundred and forty dollars per month or $240 more than this first person who's locked in at that $1,000. So the question is, at $240 more per month, how long does it take the second person to make back the $36,000 the first person had accumulated? Simple math, 150 months or 12 and a half years or until age 82 and a half. And it's roughly a 12, 12 and a half year break even point. So that first person by having started early ends up with more total lifetime social security benefits until age 82 and a half. But the second person from 82 and a half on then has more and more and gets a header and a header and a header. So again, as we said right up front, it's a longevity decision. You just need one key piece of information when you're going to die or in a couple of cases, <laughs> yeah. when are you both going to die? Right. And then, so that's why I also say, you're never going to know what the correct decision is until after you're dead. And by that point, it's not going to matter anyway. So make an informed decision, understand your choices and options, factor in their other things, and then move on. There's other things to worry about, recognizing you'll never know with absolute certainty what the right decision was until you're dead. <laughs> um, uplifting thought. Huh? Yeah, no, and it's, but it's, it's, it's true. Um, you know, I think, you know, the best thing that we do, that we can do from our point of view is, if we know somebody's, you know, entire situation, you know, you know, in, in, you know, as far as assets, income, uh, you know, we make a good guess about life expectancy and then we can we can run a couple different scenarios as far as collecting at different points along the way and and just see what the math looks like uh, at, at the end of the day. And then and then that's you know, that's your information as far as, OK, this one looks you know ideal or or if they're all you know roughly equivalent, then then you at least you have that information and you can make that decision with some with some you know some ammo behind you you know and and and, and you know as as well as i do the factors people are thinking about your health right longevity you have parents that are 90 like our prior caller had you know and uh, you know that's the type of thing that weighs towards perhaps deferring to get that higher benefit because you'll be collecting for a longer period of time but you could be healthy you could have longevity in your family and and get hit by a bus tomorrow. You know, so that it's it, again, it's all um, predicated on making an informed decision. And as I said, move on, move on. All right, um, all right. So, Kurt, we've only got I don't know, maybe four minutes left, plus or minus. Um, I don't know if there was anything else on your agenda that you wanted to cover that we haven't yet covered. You know, again, and we touched on it briefly, just an important homework note, though, for listeners. If you haven't set up your My Social Security account for yourself yet, I encourage you to do so, particularly for younger workers. Set that account up because then you can get a Social Security statement for yourself whenever you need one or want one. Get some benefit estimates as to what Social Security will provide you at different ages based on different future earnings projections because you need to plan for retirement and need to understand that Social Security is going to provide you a base, a foundation of income, but designed to be a program where you need to supplement your Social Security payments. And so the sooner you start to take those steps, the more likely you are to have that comfortable retirement. So plan for retirement. Use the Social Security statement as the planning tool it was designed to be. 
and then figure out how you move from what Social Security will provide to where you want to be for that comfortable retirement. And the sooner you start to take those steps, the more likely you are to achieve that. So plan for retirement, but use the planning tool that's available. But unfortunately, if you're under the age of 60, the only way you get that Social Security statement is by setting up your My Social Security account for yourself. So so do that. And then down the road, once you start to collect, you'll see a lot of um, benefits from having it in place in terms of being able to change your address or change direct deposit or, 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 or do other things. But prior to collecting, the big advantage is that ability to get a My Social Security, a Social Security statement for yourself through your My Social Security account whenever you need one or want one. It, and it used to be, Kurt, you could go on the, you know, ss.com ssa.gov, right? Um, and there was a there was a calculator or an estimator where you didn't have to like log in or set up set up the account. Is that still available? Sure. There 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 are less specific calculators that are there. You know, in, in different levels of um, uh, detail that you can still use. But that social you know the other thing about social security statement that's so important is it provides you a year by year breakout of what social security has recorded as your work on earnings under the program. We mentioned it's your high 35 years of work under the system. So you want to get that statement periodically to make sure that what has been recorded as your work is accurate. Because if it isn't, you want to catch it and correct it. Because if you don't, have a direct impact on maybe what you eventually collect. Yeah, you don't want any uh, any erroneous uh, goose eggs on there. Absolutely. Uh, all right, so we're, we're just we're about out of time. So just wanted to mention, uh, so Kurt Tarnowski, who you're uh, enjoying this morning, uh, will be enjoying uh, uh, will be joining us. Tone. What's that? The dulcet tone. Yes, he will be joining us uh, for a webinar on April 21st at 6:30 p.m. If you'd like to join us, call the office 781-834-2010, uh, and we'll sign you up. All right, thank you for listening, and have a wonderful weekend. Thanks, Kurt. Take care, Kirk.